0: Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for it. Hi there, everybody. My name is Sophie Aldred, and I played Ace in Doctor Who. And you are listening to Podcastica. Traveling
1: through time and space the podcast of timey tiny proportions podcastica now here's john and taylor thank you irving and hello everyone and welcome to episode 103 of podcastica here on notlg.com we're going to talk about the happiness patrol this week my name is john and joining me this week as he does every week is my good friend taylor taylor take two
0: <laughs> yes
1: how are you Uh,
0: i'm i'm good life is a bit of chaos right now there's lots going on between work uh we've got a new hire that i'm training up and uh here at the homestead where um yeah things are happening and i will talk about that in greater detail next episode i don't want to jinx anything
1: yes um
0: but on the whole life is good just busy and blisteringly hot. It is 111 degrees in Livermore today.
1: Yeah. How are you? Uh, very hot as well. I am in my garage that has a small vent, and that's really about all I have. But, you know, yeah. it's, it, we're going to podcast it up. We're going to venture through it. I actually did get an air conditioner via my sister and my brother-in-law. Because um, nice. they moved in with my parents because they're eventually going to move elsewhere in the greater California area. And oh, okay. they said, uh, your niece is not using this air conditioner. Do you want it? And I said, yes. And I installed it on Saturday night and I slept so good with the air conditioner on that I actually had a dream that I had an air conditioner, which that would be an incredibly accurate dream it would it was very i woke up and went oh i had a dream i had an air conditioner and there's the air conditioner that's weird if <laughs> only if only all dreams were like that but only oh, dreams not goodness. nightmares right because that would yes. just be yeah you
0: don't want the nightmares coming true you want no. only the good
1: dreams exactly <laughs> i uh speaking of my sister just got an update that she is watching silence in the library so if we nice. remember correctly she was on what episode was it again
0: uh, I think last time we talked, she was at School Reunion.
1: Yes, School Reunion. So she's making her way through all of these episodes. And I I can almost safely say I may be watching the Christmas special with my sister. Oh, nice. Uh, She will be caught up by then. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I uh, Maybe we'll have her on for the Christmas special. Oh, that would be cool. If she gets there. Yeah. So... Here's hoping. That would be fun.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: So, Taylor, as we stated, we watched the Happiness Patrol this week. But before we get to that, actually, before we get to, before we get to Who News. Uh, What? Yes, exactly. This weekend, Long Beach Comic Con, I will be having a, I will be sharing a table with Miss Lauren Bancroft, and I will have some sunglasses, some buttons, some stickers I will also have some giveaways and maybe a hat. Maybe. We'll see. You'll have to come down to Long Beach Comic Con and and check it out. We're going to have the Yakety Cast crew walking around. They're going to be handing out flyers. Then you come find me. We enter you into the contest. Maybe you win something. Maybe you don't. Either way, come stop by and say hi. We will tweet out wherever we are because I'm not even sure we know where we are yet. Wow, still. Yeah, I should probably... Ask Lauren about that, but
0: yeah, well, we at least know you're, you're going to be at Long Beach Comic Con. So that narrows it down.
1: Either somehow. way, I will be a Long Beach Comic Con. Nice. You guys got to take lots of pictures, look for some cool cosplays. Yes, I um, actually bought a sketchbook and we will be uh, doodling in the sketchbook. Nice. Yeah. So it'll nice. be fun. I'm excited. Oh, that'll be a blast. Yeah. So that now that we got to that, now we can actually get to who news. Yes. So,
0: uh, first up, um, and and we will t- actually talk quite a bit about this gentleman uh, over the course of this episode, um, but on September 18th, two days after my birthday, hint, hint, everyone, wow. um, Dominic Lynn, who actually did the music for the Happiness Patrol, is releasing, not coincidentally, the Happiness Patrol remixes.
1: Oh, great.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's four or five tracks, um, the links for purchasing it through itunes or amazon and i i I, even though he didn't post it today i did go to uh google play and find a link for it there i'll have the itunes and the google play links in the show notes um because i know not all of us worship at the cult of apple so uh you know go android
1: um hey (laughs) now yeah no i don't i don't care it doesn't matter everybody's
0: like here buy it on itunes rate us on itunes hey you know what there's stuff on google too not all of us are stuck using iPods and iPhones. IPod. <laughs> Go um, Stitcher. Right. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's four or five tracks. Like the first track alone is actually ten and a half minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's only five bucks. Now, did he talk about this at Gallifrey? He did, didn't he? Uh, he did. He mentioned, yeah, he had um, the Gallifrey remixes and the Ravelox remixes uh, available there, but he talked about the happiness patrol remix is coming up and this is it. It's finally coming up. Um, in fact, you know, it's kind of funny. This is the, the first, um, the first podcast where we've watched something where I can now pull reference material from more than just TARDIS wikia. (laughs) I've got my copy of script doctor that friend of the show, Mike Solko. um, Oh yes. Gave me at Gallifrey one. And I've got my, my eBay find copy of ACE, the inside story of the end of an era that was written by uh, Sophie Aldred and uh, special effects guy, Mike Tucker. And when I knew that we were doing this episode, I'm like, I'm going to grab both these books and I'm going to look through for like quotes and stuff that we can share on the show. Cause yeah, I clearly need to push my glasses up a little bit higher. <laughs> um, but Andrew and the script doctor actually has this, this great little piece um, about Donna Glenn. And I, I, I want to read it just real quickly.
1: Yeah, go Um, for it.
0: So he says, The next day, I met Dominic Lynn for lunch. Dominic was one of the composers for the show, and I thought his music was exceptional. He was going to score the Happiness Patrol for us. He was a thin young guy who looked slightly exhausted and chronically overworked. I think he was probably a child prodigy. Dominic had done the music for Dragonfire, a splendidly moody, orchestral-sounding score. Of course, Dominic did it all on synthesizer and electronics. We could never afford an orchestra for the show. (laughs) He brought me a tape of Dragonfire, and in exchange, I gave him a cassette with a couple of Jerry Goldsmith soundtracks on it. We sat having lunch at Soulgrave House, talking about film and TV music. Like Kef McCullough, who is going to be a Gallifrey One next year, uh, Dominic basically came from a pop music background and was interested in learning more about instrumental soundtracks by non-pop composers. This was a subject I loved. We talked about Goldsmith and James Horner and Jerry Fielding, Johnny Mandel, Michael Small, Toru Takemitsu. Dominic was approachable, and he seemed happy to have somebody to talk to about soundtracks. I liked his music and thought that maybe if we kept swapping cassettes, we could work out a common ground. That would be very useful indeed. Now, here's the part that I like the best. British TV needed someone like Dominic in 1988, and they still need him now. He has a talent that encompasses both the cutting edge of contemporary club music and classic-style orchestral film soundtracks. His score for The Happiness Patrol was a real asset to the show, providing mood, to establish the nocturnal sorrow and menace of the city and suspense when the doctor is diffusing a bomb. He won't let Ace do it. I never get to have any fun, she says. Dominic's music incorporates the mournful harmonica blues, which is the calling card of the character Earl Sigma, who we'll obviously talk
1: about later. Yes, we will.
0: Yeah. So and and I you know, I, I love Dominic's music. In fact, he his terror version of the Doctor Who theme is literally my favorite version of the theme. So I'm you know it's exciting to hear his stuff and and be able to share that his remixes from this
1: episode will be out soon. Perfect. Yeah, that's oh that's so cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Always neat stuff. And and I highly recommend the book script Doctor if you can find it out there by Andrew cartmel It's a fantastic recounting uh of his time with Doctor Who. It's just excellent. So thanks again for that Mike.
1: Yes, thank you, Mike. Mike, always a great gift giver. Absolutely. A surprise gift giver, if you will.
0: (laughs) Definitely. I was very surprised by that.
1: Oh, I've told that story. But, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, a
0: pinch of salt warning. Oh, boy. The Mirror, Uh, right? The Mirror, uh, have a little bit more salt there, um, reports on the rumor that an actor named Bradley Walsh, an older white male, Will be the thirteenth Doctor's companion. Now, like I said, a big dose of salt. Yeah. Is, now, now that we know who the Doctor will be, yes. Uh, after Peter Capaldi moves on, it's all turning to rumors of like, oh, who will the companion be? Um, and I honestly don't put an ounce of stock in this. Yeah. It's, it's the mirror.
1: I also read that he would play more of a. It would be more of like a an a fatherly figure to the doctor, which, uh, I don't like that at all. You
0: know, how would you, how would you even tell that off?
1: Even if yeah. you're, you know, in your
0: fifties, you, you're traveling with someone who's 2000 years old. There's, yeah. there's no being fatherly to that.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I hope this is not true. Nothing against Bradley Walsh, who I, I'm Hold sure on. is a fine actor. I just, uh, don't think this is the dynamic we want. No,
0: definitely not.
1: I don't definitely, need yeah, not. I don't need an older white man telling a a woman, you, you know, maybe you should have done it that way. I don't need that in my Dr. Who.
0: No, we we need zero mansplaining yes. on uh, on Dr. Who. Although I have heard that all the footage now for the Christmas special is in the can. Jodie Whittaker has filmed her Woo-hoo!
1: person. Ooh, I got very excited right now.
0: Well, i glad I could do that for you. Yeah,
1: thanks. Thanks, man.
0: Oh, no worries. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and and lastly this week, it, it's admittedly a little bit of an old story now. You, you've probably heard it somewhere. But when Matt Smith learned that uh, Jodie Whittaker had gotten the role of the 13th Doctor, he called her up, uh, apparently they're good mates, and left her a message on her phone simply singing the Doctor Who theme. And then when he got done, he said, it's
1: Matt, call me. That's my doctor. They're right. That is my doctor.
0: I just want to hear that. I just want to hear him singing that.
1: Yeah, we need to hear this. Jody, let's hear this, please. Probably quite the chipper tune, too. Oh, I bet. Ugh, Matt. Yeah. Man, how great is, like, the... What would be the next, like, the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who going to be? Where we get, like, every... (laughs) Then we can have, like, eight doctors... Oh my Just show Yeah,
0: up. I mean... I'm excited you know, God for that. willing, depending how
1: many we got left at that point. Yeah, true. Okay. Just, you know, hedge and bets. Yes. No, it's fine. <laughs> so... Yes. This week, we watched The Happiness Patrol, starring Sylvester McCoy as The Doctor, Sophie Aldred as Ace, friend of the show, Sophie Aldred, <laughs> Sheila Hancock as Helen A., and David John Pope as... Candyman. Oh, and it is spelt with a K. My it bad. Is. Hmm, I didn't know that. Well, nobody can see my notes, but now everybody knows how I spelled it. Yeah.
0: So far, you've pronounced everything right, too, so far. So good job. <laughs>
1: hey, thanks. i probably jinxed it now. It was written by Graham Curry and directed by Chris Clow. Yeah! And we're we we're it. in the clear, everyone. All right. It first aired November 2nd to november 16th 1988 and it is the second story of season 25 of the classic seasons of doctor who and now we have some story notes we do uh so the the
0: character of helena was intended
1: to satirize uh
0: then british prime minister margaret thatcher um young kids go to wikipedia look up margaret thatcher um the character would say, I like your initi- initiative, your enterprise, while her secret police rounded up dissidents. Uh, in the story, the doctor persuades the drones who toil in the factories and mines to uh, put down tools and rise up in revolt. An echo of the miner strikes and printers' disputes during Thatcher's first two terms in office, which, admittedly, I was kind of young to remember, and you were probably still in diapers, I think. Uh,
1: 1989? I w- uh, no. Oh, no, no, no. 19- oh, I'm sorry. That, that
0: Thatcher had been... Yes. Uh, earlier than that point, I realized you were not still in diapers at six, I hope.
1: <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> I can't confirm this, yes.
0: Um, but yes, England, England as we know it today, is very different than it was in, especially in the 1970s and 1980s. is a very, very different place. Um, <clears throat> so the, the last initial of the characters who live on Terra Alpha um, is an indication of rank. Yes. We've got Helen, Helen A at the top. Um, what else have we got we've got some C's I Gilbert think. N Gilbert yes and then obviously the Sigma is used for anybody who's from off world yes um, the uh, Silas <laughs> oh, P great... yes yeah, Silas P thank you um, the howl of uh, Helen A's pet Stigerax, Fifi uh, was actually the modulated sound of director Chris Clow's own voice
1: <laughs> oh my
0: that is amazing that is great when directors come in to do double duty. That's great. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's, here's another note I picked up out of uh, uh, the script doctor. The, the script for the Happiness Patrol um, was being worked on uh, as early as August, September of 1987 while Time and the Ronnie was first airing. Oh. So season 24, right, starting to hit the screens, they're already working on the scripts. For season 25, I found that really kind of interesting Um, It rolled into production uh, By February of 1988 um, And filming started August 10th of 1988 So I'm kind of curious Kind of how long the process is For uh, New Who But in terms of classic Who This is, you know, it didn't air Until November So from very start to very finish You're looking at like 14 months Yeah, wow um on and off for this kind of stuff um and oh this here's a fun one this this one i i got from from the other book um helena's escape shuttle that we see just just for a little bit at the end of the very last episode yes um was actually constructed uh from a few different star wars models that were available at the time
1: <laughs> uh i they feel like down didn't the they... shops
0: grab some you know put them together in funny ways yeah
1: didn't they borrow other stuff from Star Wars at one point? Um, uh, yes, elsewhere in Classic Who. I um, recall we oh, watched something where they borrowed, I, I can't remember what um, it was.
0: No, you're, I think you're thinking of Earthshock, where some of the set pieces were borrowed from the movie Alien. That's
1: what I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah, there actually is a, oh my god, there's a costume, it's a spacesuit. And it's, it's from really early. I think it might even be Second Doctor era um, that was used in Star Wars. And I can't remember. He's kind of a lizard creature looking guy. Bosk? Wearing a space suit. I don't know. Bosk on a Segway? It, m- it might be. That's just a... I'd have to look up a picture of him. It might be Bosk. I don't know. I don't know what the segue came with him, though.
1: But, uh, that's um uh, that's an MC Chris reference. I'll just tell oh, you that nice. off off air.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, lastly tonight, in terms of uh, story notes, when Ace plays the spoons in one scene, the, the actual idea to do that was completely and originally from Sophie herself.
1: Oh, of course. Didn't she talk she about thought- the spoons when we talked to her? When you talked to her, um, I feel like she did. Oh, um, I think she did. I'd actually have to go
0: back and check that. Now that you mentioned, that's ringing a bell.
1: There you go, folks. Go back that's... and listen to uh, Taylor's interview with Sophie Aldred. I will. You know what? I'll cross post that. I'll there go back. I should
0: remember exactly what uh, what episode that was. But I'll go back and cross post that.
1: Perfect. So, Taylor. As always, you have a world-famous synopsis for us, so take it away. I do, and
0: I'll and I'll keep this one short and <clears throat> sweet.
1: Oh, as, oh, oh puns! Oh, There's puns a puns galore.
0: Puns galore in the Happiness Patrol, ladies and gentlemen. In the, in the span of a single night, the Doctor and Ace arrive on Terra Alpha, topple a sweet government, help the natives return to the surface, and discover that happiness can only exist alongside the blues.
1: Oh my goodness. So Taylor, I guess right off the bat, is this the strangest serial of Doctor Who we've ever watched?
0: Um I you know what, I saw your question of that in the notes, and I have to say no, I don't think it's the strangest. I really? think it's strange. I think it's up there. I don't think it's Kinda strange.
1: Oh, mm, very true.
0: I'm not I even don't sure know. I'd say it's Pyramids of Mars strange.
1: I don't know. I feel like I could honestly talk about the Candyman for three hours. I'm pretty sure.
0: That, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, join us later. Give us a little bit of money on Patreon,
1: and we'll give you the three-hour (laughs) Candyman cast. So what's scarier, this Candyman or the film (laughs) Candyman? Which I I believe was, who was the Candyman?
0: Oh, God, I don't. Remember, I remember the trailers for it. I never actually saw it. I'm not really into horror.
1: Tony Todd. Although I love Stranger Things. Tony Todd um, was the Candyman. I'm not that's sure. That's right. I recognize that name now.
0: Good Lord. Yeah, see, you know, you know what? You know what should have been both of our podcast reaction videos? The candy- Looking into a mirror saying Candyman three times and then cl- cutting to this one.
1: Oh, man.
0: How did we not think of that?
1: <sighs> that was dumb.
0: Yeah, mate. we need to do that in in hindsight
1: i might still do that just because it's funny exactly (laughs) or or find the clip from the original movie (laughs) oh geez god that'd be so i have i have so many thoughts on this entire entire serial i mean well let's
0: let's start with the big question because i think you had a stronger reaction to this episode than i did
1: what did you think of it overall i i think it was the strange i think it's the strangest episode we've ever watched stranger than
0: tegan's fever dream where she like interacts with her like evil self or something oh
1: man i don't know that one oh man i'm uh i don't know i i it, i just just the can the candy man and uh, candy man <laughs>
0: You are hung up. on Is the he like
1: here. a cyborg candy thing? How does he see with those eyes? They just, uh, they just is that, and why does it have a metal mustache? What's happening? Well, actually, the the metal mustache is there to kind of
0: block being able to see the actor's mouth.
1: Uh, I mean, we could that, see it. I, I could see, see it that clear, enough. clear as day. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but the eyes are great. I love the eyes. The
1: eyes are great, and you know, like my first reactions to the Candyman, I was just like, "What is this?" thing and then the more i thought about it i'm like oh man this thing is extremely frightening and the actual design of the Candyman was pretty good i thought yeah for what you know you could do with doctor who at the time i was like this is uh this is pretty good let's be honest it was good enough that they kind of skirted a little
0: bit of legal trouble because he actually kind of looked like uh i think Bertie bassett is its name it's a uh a- yeah. Like a mascot for a Lollies company.
1: I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. <laughs> What's it a ma- li- for? Licorice? Uh,
0: yeah. Birdie. Oh. is <laughs> two, two T's. I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't. You know. Th- I think so. Yeah. I can. Yeah. S- I could see why people would say that, but I feel like it's different enough. Yeah. To where? Yeah. Uh, come on. Birdie Bassett figure it out, yeah. But wow, and I love that he had like a pineapple, uh, you know, like the dole pineapple you get in a can as like mm-hmm. the lower half of his torso. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that was supposed to be some sort of candy, but come on, who are you fooling?
0: <laughs> well, the hole, the hole didn't like go through as a black dot, yes. I mean. But then, of course, he's running and you just see it kind of like squishing like a you know, oh silly foam, uh. Costume, but yes, I mean it, it, his costume, it, the Candyman himself was was a really ambitious uh, uh, outfit. Yes. And, and it's fantastic. I mean, if you want to just embrace bonkers Doctor Who, this is this is one good way to do it.
1: Oh yeah, my favorite line of his is "I am a Candyman of my my word." Yes, I was. Yes. Like, th- and- this episode was full of puns. Oh,
0: rife. Rife with puns. There I think just... at one point, uh, uh, the Candyman says, "The doctor, oh, a man after my own soft center."
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. You
0: know, it just. I think really, you got a I mean, buzz like, out of that. Yes. This this story literally has more puns than like a Sean Connery era James Bond film. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, um, yeah. There's just so much so much to talk about and i i I don't even we get the oh the theta sigma reference
0: yes we we do get the theta sigma reference which which i love getting a little bit of like even earlier who and what later classic who yeah
1: and also uh if you you know what the the symbols of theta sigma look like when river song wrote on you know the hello sweetie in back in the what to, what period of time? The was it the Jurassic period or whenever?
0: Oh yes 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 yes.
1: The theta sigma symbol is on there as well, like below it. Yeah, just you know, cool little stuff there. I like exactly. that. Love that. <laughs> um, uh, man, there's so the killjoys, right? They're the they're the girl guards. Is that who they are? No, no. The, the killjoys are anybody who is depressed. Ah. Any anybody who is exhibiting their sadness or maybe anything other than happiness. So the the women guards. Uh, here's here's my obscure reference of the podcast. They all have hair like Noble Heart from the Care Bears movie part two. I gotta admit, John, you always impress me with uh, the
0: references you make. I don't know that I've ever seen the Care Bears movie one, let
1: alone Care Bears wow. two. Wow.
0: The Care bearinging
1: They're great. They're fantastic. The Care Cousins. Come on. It's great. They got a raccoon right, okay, so, in there. It's amazing.
0: Then in that case, when talking about the Happiness Patrol themselves, um, here's my reference, because really it's kind of like a bad episode of Gem and the Holograms. They've gone military. Yes.
1: That's, I think that's even more accurate. That hair is good Gem and the Holograms. Good Lord. Just... Uh, a whole lot of hair going on there. There is. And <laughs> I love the set pieces, even though like, mm-hmm. I got confused many times as to where we were at certain points. I mean, obviously, when we're in the, the Candyman's kitchen. Yeah. Which, um, oh my goodness. I, I didn't even really notice how much I loved the Candyman's kitchen until part three. Okay. Yeah. Where we kind of get, and... The the mole people. What are what mole people? They're, they're
0: referred to in everything that I've seen as the pipe people. The pipe
1: people. Actually, that's the that's pretty great. The yeah. pipe people. The pipe people. Yeah. When they're, they they kind of go into the Candyman's kitchen and they're just looking around, mm-hmm. and they finally they they show they show like the the full lab as I called it, the, the kitchen. And it, yeah. it looked very cool. Like it, I don't know what kind of art it would be described as, but it looked very cool. All the set pieces looked great. I love the use of shadows. Yes. Especially for, for Earl, who I actually... The first time we see him, <laughs> I have a note that says, I'm very excited to talk about this character.
0: Did that excitement continue on? Because I feel like his character really didn't get as developed as much as no. I, I would have
1: liked. No, it didn't, but I feel like when we first meet him and he's playing the harmonica and then he introduces himself and he and the doctor have a conversation, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in with this character and I'm curious to know if maybe he got lines cut or because let me tell you, I know we we sometimes watch classic who where it's like, why didn't that character go with the doctor? Mm-hmm. I was getting that vibe off Earl like almost right away. I was like this guy's great.
0: Well, you know what? I'll give you that. I think he could have made an
1: interesting companion. I think he could have. He would have at that least been, been like very musical. He and Ace could have played the harmonica and the spoons together. It Would have been great. <laughs> well,
0: I remember reading that um there was some uh debate and and some um I don't know, conflict over how to best light the set because this was an all-studio
1: episode. Yeah, Um, which is, is that, I I feel like that's not too rare for them. uh, No, no. In fact, um, most of Classic Who, at at least
0: in terms of the Sylvester McCoy era, I don't know that I can speak to every era, is that it would be split up between two three-parters, two four-parters, two would be shot on set like, mm-hmm. in a studio, and two would be set on location. Yeah. I, so, like, Remembrance of the Daleks, also season 25. Right. Shot on location. Um, Happiness Patrol shot on set. Um, uh, Greatest Show in the Galaxy had to be shot. Outside, uh, Outside, technically on set, because they had an asbestos issue that <laughs> they were uh, dealing with in the studio. So they shot oh, it in a tent in the parking lot. So technically, that was the on-set one. And then the only episode of season 25 that we haven't reviewed yet is Silver Nemesis. That was also the other on-location um, one.
1: Wow, so we've watched every episode except for that one? Yeah, of season 25, yeah. That's awesome. And that might be the only
0: season so far of classic Who that we've, we were that close to have watching having wow. watched
1: the whole season. I had no idea. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't realize it until afterward. Huh. But I, uh, Earl. I loved Earl. I mean, I feel like we could have got more of him, but I did enjoy that he was helpful and he played the harmonica.
0: Well, interestingly enough, he played the harmonica, but not very well on set. Um, So they actually had to, well, uh, Dominic Lynn um, got another guy to come in and record harmonica in post. Oh, really? Yeah. Mix it in with the set. Yeah, because I actually um, on Twitter had reached out to both him and Sophie Aldrin trying to get, you know, like, hey, we're going to review Happiness Patrol. Do you guys have any memories that you'd want to share with our listeners? And so Dominic was like, yeah, actually, I'll I'll send you a DM. And I'm like, all right, cool. So he's like, hit me with some questions. What do you want to know? And I had asked, let me scroll down to it really quick. Um, because all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm on the spot. I need to come with questions. I have no idea what to ask. <laughs> and so obviously I'm like, there's clearly a blues influence with the music of the story. I said, were there any actual pieces of music that gave influence, uh, to your composition? And then I asked, I'm curious what the process was like then to score an episode. Were you watching a mostly finished cut and then doing the music to it? Um, and so he said, as I scroll up now. Um, he said, no, the music wasn't inspired by any particular piece of blues music. After discussions with Andrew Cartmell and Graham Curry, who are particular fans of jazz and blues, we just agreed the music should sound authentically blues and not a wishy-washy pastiche of it. That's why it was so good to work with Adam Burney, who is a fantastic blues harmonica player and really understood the concept of mixing electronic soundtrack material with genuine raw blues playing. Um... But then speaking more directly to uh, the process of scoring it, um, and I was really impressed because he answered this before I watched parts two and three. And so as I'm watching parts two and three, knowing that this music was added in afterward, they did a really good job matching like his hand movements to actual playing. Um, but he said the process of writing always involved writing to the finished cut. I may have worked out ideas and themes ahead of the final edit, but each cue was written specifically to the video material and tailored to fit in cues featuring the harmonica. I tried to structure the piece first to picture before getting Adam in to play his part. The process worked out differently from the original intention. The actor who played Earl Sigma was meant to play the harmonica himself, but sadly he didn't have the blues himself and he wasn't really able to play the instrument to the standard we needed. As a result, the actor had to play a silent harmonica and, on set, and we fit our music into the scenes. Adam had to closely watch Richard's physical movements to try and match up his playing and breathing with the on-screen movements. Tricky to achieve.
1: Uh, it was. It. Uh, I didn't notice, honestly.
0: <laughs> I, right, and and I and I replied, you know, obviously telling him thank you and saying like, look, I actually just watched, you know, part two and three, and I can imagine it was incredibly tricky, but you guys did an amazing job because I couldn't tell.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, usually you can tell when someone is not playing an instrument on Mm -hmm. screen and they're pretending to, but uh, I could not tell at all. They did a very good job with that. Yeah, definitely. So man, I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where else to, uh, I mean, I love ACE in this entire, entire serial as usual. I mean,
0: Definitely, and and I I I would argue that that fierce ace is the best ace. Yes, there were so many parts where she's just getting just riled up because she can see the injustice. Oh
1: yeah, she just way. wants to fight people. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The doctor does not let her, unfortunately. No, um,
0: what, <laughs> I gotta ask, what did you think of the waiting zone? Uh,
1: I the quote unquote prison. I. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what I thought of it. <laughs> would, would you believe
0: there, there actually was originally a prison set, but before filming began, um, they, they lost it. What? And so what during you... the filming of remembrance of the Daleks, they were frantically rewriting the script to fit the fact that they've lost part of the set.
1: So how do you lose part
0: of a set? Oh, let me grab Script Doctor and see if they say, because I don't
1: think... That's... How does that... um, I don't even know how that happens. You lose a part, like a set? An entire set? Well,
0: this is the same BBC that would just take videotapes and wipe over them, so... Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's true, but at least that's a little more like, oh, well, I mean, you guys are just dumb. Like, this is more, like oh, you guys are really dumb. How did you lose an entire set? Uh, you know what? I'm,
0: lo- I'm looking at the paragraphs, and they, they, don't, they don't clearly say. He says, we would lost the prison set where the doctor and ace are incarcerated and meet other victims of the totalitarian regime. Necessity and adrenaline brought out a high level of inventedness. Graham, Ben Aronovich, uh, and I all threw ourselves into an emergency salvage job, collaborating on the rewrite, and that's how we ended up with the waiting zone instead of a prison
1: I mean um, fair,
0: yeah, you know, um, but I, I, I mean I, I really I, I think the idea kind of works in the long run because again, you know you, you've got this idea, and kind of maybe a little topical for for uh, this day and age right now of, of a totalitarian regime, and you know, um, you know you can call a prison whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still a prison. Oh, it's, it's, it's the waiting zone. Oh, it's not a prison.
1: Yes. Ugh. You,
0: you can cross that line whenever you want. But, but I'll kill you. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, you can uh, play this, this, you know, bad uh, pachinko machine and, uh, you know, get a horrible pun at the end of it that still electrocutes you.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think he got a buzz out of that. That's when Ace was going to kill that lady. Oh, completely. Um, yeah, the waiting zone. Jeez. I think that one other thing I want to talk about is uh, I want to talk about Fifi. Yeah,
0: let's talk about Fifi.
1: Now, uh, I felt that Fifi, the design of Fifi was amazing. I thought the whoever designed that puppet did a fantastic job.
0: Yes. Uh, the design and, and the puppetry, at least up close, is um, remarkably well done. I mean... I think a few notes, a few places in my notes, I've got some like, oh man, Fifi's really creepy, and then it's like hella creepy, and then then I'm just swearing in my notes <laughs> because I mean, really and truly, like that is just a creepy looking dog. It is.
1: They did, and they did a great job with it. I um, they absolutely did. Because you know, sometimes as we stated, classic who budgets mm-hmm. weird. They don't really uh, put the money into that stuff. But I mean, I don't know who made that, but it it looked. Yeah. It was frightening and very well the puppeteer did a great job.
0: And and apparently did it well enough that uh Fifi could survive a blast of Nitro Nine.
1: Yeah, what is that about? I, right. I know. I was very excited for Nitro Nine. Yay. Nitro. And I went, Well, this this Fifi's dead and apparently not. Fifi just has some uh escaped the explosion with just uh only needing a small bandage.
0: Yeah. So I guess that uh, speaks highly of the resiliency of the sticker acts.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. Now, at one point, I thought the uh, the pipe the pipe people. Yes, I thought they were somehow evolved from whatever Fifi was.
0: Oh, I well, thought that would have been an interesting thought. I I noticed that your notes and my notes both figured they were just a bunch of splinters from teenage. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, it's like twenty splinters. Exactly. And I love that they uh, adopted Wicked. Yes. I thought that was very funny. I f- sometimes and, I found so- it hard to understand what they were saying.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: I think they used a little too much um, enhancement on those voices, but whatever. Either and even that the de- or they were having trouble talking through the masks. I'm m- not sure. M- maybe. Should- even the design of the the pipe, all the designs of the the monsters slash whatever's they are. <laughs> We're pretty good in this. I I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: No, I I did too. Um, I oh man, I just saw that. where, where did it go? Um, oh okay. So putting aside, you know, the the set design of you know, say Helena's office, where I'm not sure if those are apostrophes or commas on the wall. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about this this scene at the end of part two with with these snipers.
1: Yes, that um... scene it's a very quick scene where the doctor is walking. I believe he's walking down like a, a corridor or something. And there's just these two dudes dressed in all pink. And one of them has like a sniper rifle. And I love that. He's like, where'd he go? And then the doctor's like, hello, like, yeah,
0: but not even that. But I mean, like, this is like, this is like dark doctor. Like the, the sniper turns out and goes, who are you? And he, the doctor just goes, shut up. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, where is this doctor coming from? All of a sudden, you know, it's it's um, it's exciting. It's I mean, for me, it's like in kind of almost invigorating to get this kind of like harsher edge doctor in a story that is kind of so saccharine on the surface.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's looking for oh, Ace, thing. so oh, totally, he's a little uh, on edge. And and what is what does one of the snipers say? Like, complains that you know the women always get the yes, big guns. the women. Are- the w- women always get the best guns, and you there know what you I go. say to that? You damn right they do.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that gun looked pretty good, and he's yeah. he was like, "I've never fired this up close," and I said, "Please don't fire it up close because that probably Where's won't be plan? good for your clothing."
0: Well, and let's also note the fact that now I'm no expert on military tactics or you know handling guns much, except you know don't point it at people. Yeah, Um, um but. Shouldn't snipers be a whole lot more quiet than these two guys
1: are? <laughs> yeah, they should have. And shouldn't right? they be, like, separated and not, like, near each other? Don't they also lie down a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, there oh, was some... Conf- yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's some confused... Like, the snipers, they were confusing. And also, at the e- the very end of part two, we get the one of the people writing R.I.P. in pink paint over oh, one yes. of the the posters that's right next to Ace's poster. And yeah. I thought to myself, would these people really care if they rested in peace?
0: You know, I had that
1: same thought. I didn't wouldn't they it just down, but
0: I had that thought.
1: Wouldn't they just exit out or tear down the poster and like laugh at it or Yes. That seems that actually seems a lot more fitting at at least at least a big, you know, big old
0: pink axe through it.
1: Yes, that I was waiting for that. But then the rest I was like, rest in peace. I don't think that's that's accurate at all. (laughs) It's rest in pieces. I don't know. Maybe. Um I do like how all the
0: inhabitants of Terra Alpha um, seem to use a lot of the leftover white face
1: paint from Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Oh, my goodness. That was actually very distracting the first time I saw it because Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell if it was just a bad makeup job or if that's actually what they were going for. Yeah. Because of the lighting.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And in everything I looked at, I, I never really saw a reason given you know contextually for why they look that way you know why is that just the fashion is it kind of like um what louis the 14th era france where you know everybody put on that much foundation or something i mean maybe i I don't know i mean it might be because that again you know kind of speaking to that um that type of government you know from that period in history and it might be i, I just haven't seen anything one way or the other so that's my best guess I'm
1: trying to think of what else uh, oh uh the executions oh yes so on surprise yes the first guy who we i believe the first person we see who is executed he is executed for having a public display of grief mm-hmm. and this tube just he it goes over him and then he just he gets the old death by strawberrying as i <laughs> called it he he gets gooped yeah he just gets gooped and i love is that at the end of part i think it's part 1 yeah that's part... at the end of part 1 but i believe yeah. ace Ah uh, yes. Okay, so Ace is uh, is she due to be executed or is it someone else that she just is trying to save?
0: Uh no, I, I think it I think it is Ace and one of the uh one of the members of the Happiness Patrol who has yes. you know realized the 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 error of their way. Yeah. So like...
1: And just a small bit of goop comes out. And I love that if the execution fails, they can't they're like, "Well, we can't repeat the execution." I went thats strange, and then that guy was like, "Oh, but you can do other executions." I went, oh okay, never mind yeah,
0: this is, it's a little bit of uh 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 logic, yeah. if I can pull in references from last episode.
1: yes, definitely,
0: um yeah, and you know obviously the doctor gets the candyman to divert the flow because uh, you know apparently you know the best weapon against the candyman is a big seltzer bottle full of lemonade uh-
1: Yes, I love that the it's... Candyman was just... He was incapacitated for like half an episode, and then the yeah. doctor freed him and then immediately uh, glued him yeah. back to the ground again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the do- he also had two separate uh, seltzer bottles, it looked like. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a very comic uh, episode in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. and uh, Go ahead. Can, uh, the demise of the Candyman was very anticlimactic. You know, it was, but
0: let's not neglect the fact that um, at one point, shortly before that, the Candyman was straight up about to pimp
1: slap him. Yes, he was. He literally
0: says, I will show you the back of my hand.
1: Yeah, the back (laughs) of my candy hand. Yeah, that was insane. It was. And I love that they were going to just stab him to death, but they did end up not doing that. Oh, and then they were going to light him on fire. And then he was like, I got to get out of here. And then he just kind of dies, like he just falls out of the, one of those tubes. Well, yeah, because he he, run,
0: he runs down into the
1: pipes, and yeah. And
0: they like I don't know they they flood it with fondant or something, and then out come these like cyborg bones.
1: Yeah, and then that's kind of how we get like the we get the origin story of the Candyman, kind of where can, totally yeah, yeah, where Gilbert we we figure out that his assistant is actually the person Gilbert N is the one that created him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's kind of a cyborg. It was, it was still kind of a vague kind of, he's like, yeah, I I built him, but he has his own brain. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, did you take some crazy guy's brain and put it in there? Did you make him a brain? Like, is it a cotton candy brain? Like we didn't really, uh, (laughs) we didn't really get an explanation of that. No, no, we
0: didn't. But, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. It would I feel like I feel like in the episode Smile from last season.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Right? We have kind of a similar conceit. Grief is seen as something that has to be destroyed. Yes. I looking back at it now, I would have loved just a little kernel of Happiness Patrol reference in the episode Smile. That would have been fun. That would have been awesome. Even even if it was something super vague, like, you know, the ship that landed on the planet to colonize Smile was from Terra Alpha.
1: Oh my goodness, that would have been great. Just, just something
0: tiny like that. That would have just I, I would have been over the moon.
1: That would have been amazing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even really talk about the pink TARDIS. Oh, right? Which there is actually a podcast called The Happiness Patrol. I think, I don't know if it's still around. I'm sure it is. And my first Gallifrey One, the, one of the people who hosted it was carrying around a pink TARDIS. Oh,
0: that's awesome.
1: Which was cool.
0: And so. now you can have a pink TARDIS full of bras and it's breast cancer awareness.
1: Yay. Oh, hey.
0: Wow. Right? Look at that. That's right? a great idea. It's kind of funny because in, um, uh, in the book that uh, Sophie Aldred and Mike Tucker Uh, wrote uh, uh, Sophie's recounting that that last scene at the very end where she's painting a little bit of blue yes back onto the TARDIS and oh man what does she say because it's I think it kind of speaks to just how iconic the TARDIS is let me let me find it real quick Um, oh blimey I had it and then I was, oh here we go here we go here we go the final studio day for this block began with the last scene of the story. I was going to use a can of spray paint to repaint a pink patch on the TARDIS, and I can't remember why I ended up using a paintbrush. I felt nervous about slapping paint onto my childhood icon. It didn't seem right to be tampering. <laughs> I wondered how, how it had felt to the scene painters who had painted it pink. It was a relief to have our true blue TARDIS back. Ugh. <laughs> I, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, that was. It's not like it was a stunt TARDIS. It was no. like, okay, guys, we gotta paint this thing pink. Oh jeez. And we gotta paint it back blue.
1: So there is, or was, a TARDIS that had three coats of paint on it, at least. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Low miles. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else. I. Uh, if there's anything else of note that I.
0: I you know, you had you had you had very few notes for part three, which I think is keeping in line with most of your part three. Oh yes, of course. Um, I think Helen A really should have met the Cybermen at some point. I think they would have gotten along with Oh them my mom. goodness.
1: Yeah, Helen A was man, she was a piece of work. She uh wasn't she? She didn't really seem to enjoy her her husband. I assume that was her husband. Yes. And, uh, oh, oh yes. Okay. So at the end of part three, we find the, uh, the shuttle is leaving and mm-hmm. the, they, there's an incoming message for, uh, Helen A and it's Gilbert N. And he's like, Hey, uh, I'm leaving. Peace out. I, I would like you to meet the pilot of this. And it pans over and it is Helena A's husband. Who's like, I'm leaving you. I didn't forget about that. Bye. <laughs> Because <laughs> she treated him like garbage. Oh, completely. And he was trying to watch. I think that he was trying to watch the execution. And she—it kind of seemed like she tried to keep him in the dark about what was going on.
0: Yes, and and from what I've read and from what I understand, his character was actually supposed to be a satirization um, of Margaret Thatcher's
1: husband. Ah, uh, I see.
0: Um, so you know, uh, that all was added in there, and and. You know, I'm going to say this without having done all the research and read it, but apparently there was an article written sometime after this episode that casts a sort of um, uh, gay angle on the two guys running off together. Oh, really? And while I can kind of see that once you kind of plant the seed there, I from everything else I've seen that that wasn't something that was intentionally right uh, put there. It was just like, you know, they're they're taking off. Yeah, yeah, I just a, thought they were just yeah, leaving yeah. together. That was that was the end of it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, I got to say, though, I got to love the ending with uh, uh, the Doctor and uh, and Earl Sigma doing the Soul
1: Brother handshake. Thing. Yeah, secret handshake. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. That oh, was. Uh, and I like that, uh, you know, we've. I mean, we didn't get as much character development out of Earl as we saw, but he's like, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to make sure everything's A-OK here. Yeah. I love that. Uh, does the doctor say you can't have all? You can't have any of the other colors without the blues. Mm-hmm. I liked that line. More pun. I also enjoyed uh, back in episode one mm-hmm. when the doctor asks. I think it's Silas uh, who's sitting on the bench. He asks yeah. him if he has a, a spare automotive jack. This guy's sitting on a bench. <laughs> with no cars anywhere. I don't I I thought that was really funny for some reason. Yeah, no cars in this culture, but they've
0: got one modded out ATV and the slowest go-kart in history.
1: Oh my goodness. I completely forgot about the go Man, that thing was so uh, slow and broke very easily. Was,
0: yeah. I was I was hoping it would be at least, you know, twice as fast as it was going and even that would still <laughs> have been
1: slow. Oh yeah, it would have for sure.
0: We're going to get out of here. And I'm like, I literally like in my podcast reaction video, I'm like, oh, all right, cool. This thing's going to be fast. And it's like,
1: <laughs>
0: I'm like, OK, the happiness patrol can walk faster. Than
1: that. Yeah, they could. They could have run like like. Yeah. OK,
0: I'm unimpressed.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think overall I, I enjoyed this, even though I did find it to be very strange. Just it, overall, it definitely. Yeah. You know, if, if you wind up having dreams about the Candyman, I'll know why. Yeah, for sure. And an air conditioner. <laughs> yes, and an air conditioner. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Taylor, what did you th- you think? Did you did you enjoy this? I, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you, let's be honest. You're going to be hard-pressed for me to watch
0: a McCoy-era episode and be like, yeah, I hated it. Yeah. Uh, you know, this? I mean, this is just this is my bread and butter. I, I I hear just the opening sting of the theme song and I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> happy warm blanket. Uh, I'm home, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But I actually, I have not watched the happiness patrol in many, many, many years. Um, so it was, it was fun to go back to it. Um, see the candy man and all his craziness, um, you know, kind of see some newer aspects of, you know, kind of the Cartmel master plan and this darker doctor that I don't think I necessarily picked up on before when I was younger. Right. Um. So, yeah, always, always a delight. And, yes, you know,
1: fantastically bonkers in places and puns galore. Puns galore, indeed. So, Taylor, you're up for pick next oh, week or next time. And um, yeah. I'm We're looking at it you. here, and I'm not really sure... What to think, but you had already apologized to me, so I, I I
0: did, and so here's my reasoning. Now, where it goes after our next episode is anyone's guess, but you know, there's all this talk about Chibnall maybe doing like a season long story arc kind of thing, and I'm like, I wonder what that would be like, and so I picked. The first episode of the only other time I can think, you know, short of maybe the Key to Time series in the Tom Baker era, which maybe that would have been a better choice, where you've had a season long story arc. So it's The Mysterious Planet, starring Colin Baker as the Doctor and Nicola Bryant as Perry. Doctor. Director... Doctor. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, please. <laughs> maybe I picked this episode just because subconsciously <laughs> I want to hear your Perry impersonation. Oh so, my yeah. goodness. Um, and honestly, I think half the reason I choose it is because, and I've said this before, I have such a like baked into my conscious, uh, take on the Colin Baker era. And I'm trying to force myself to, you know, look at it with, with fresh eyes and go, God, was it really as atrocious as my mind thinks it was? (laughs) Um, and so, for those of you who recognize the name, The Mysterious Planet, you know what I'm talking about. For the rest of you, this actually was the, the first story of the Trial of the Time Lord season.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. It was directed by Nicholas Mallet and written by Robert Holmes.
1: Well, if, we, uh, if I feel so inclined, maybe we'll continue down this road. <laughs>
0: no obligation. Okay. It's literally like, I just can't handle it. That's fine. All right. We can revisit it in like, you know, some sort of broadcast with alcohol involved. (laughs) Always figured the the trial of a time Lord will need. So there you Uh, have it. But interesting tie in to this week before we get to the plugs, the theme song, like the actual doctor who theme for this entire season that spans the trial of a time Lord, Dominic Lynn did the theme.
1: Oh, look at that. A
0: little bit different. That's the only season that version was ever used. So,
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Tied it all together.
1: Perfect. Well, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Uh, just search Podcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at J.P. Thrice, and you can follow Taylor on Twitter. At Apex Buddha. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search Podcastica. Look for the Gallifrey in writing and rate and reviews as well, please. That helps us with something. Five stars. <laughs> Give us the, the old five stars, and it helps us. Uh, also, subscribe to us on SoundCloud for now. SoundCloud.com <laughs> slash the N-O-T-L-G. Head on over to dot com and buy one of our Podcastica shirts. Buy one of our... Oh, I will be wearing the Future of Time and Space is female shirt this weekend at Long Beach Comic Con. And hopefully someone will be like, where'd you get that shirt? And I'll say, I got it at NOTLG.spreadshirt.com. dot Yay. Also, uh, Patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. Check it out. Support us. I would uh, love to make this a full-time job. I would love to podcast every day. Just (laughs) sit in my garage and talk into this microphone about Doctor Who, about wrestling, about a whole lot of things. More content. You guys love content, right? I do. I'm a fan. Yeah, it's always great. So, there you go. Patreon.com slash NOTLG. Uh, the Y Axes, check them out. They do our music. They, uh, they help us out with uh, cool music for most of our shows. Uh, just They're on Spotify. Just search The Y Axes. You can also check them out on Bandcamp, theyaxes.bandcamp.com, and like their Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Y Join us next time for The Mysterious Planet. Taylor, It's been this yes. has been interesting.
0: It has. I think it's only I think happiness did prevail. Uh you know what? I'm happy you're glad.
1: <laughs> I'm also glad that you're happy. Yay. So uh we will talk to you guys then. See ya. See ya. I don't Definitely need yeah, not. I don't need an older white man telling a a woman. You know, maybe you should have done it that way. I don't need that in my Doctor Who. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit NLTLG.com.